Welcome to The Reserve, a news and thoughts podcast from the Central Verse. I'm your host, Caleb Nygaard, and today's episode number 17. A Fed independence is a phrase as common to the central banking world as Independence Day, the holiday, is to the general public. But when you say Independence Day, everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. The celebration of the Declaration of Independence that formally separated 13 colonies from Great Britain involves hot dogs and hamburgers and fireworks. However, uh, for Fed independence, there's not that same formal, widely accepted definition of, of what that means. Uh, or at least there isn't when you actually dig down into it. And part of the danger is that some people think that there's just this one single widely accepted and they're talking past each other. Or if they actually dive into what the consequences are of what they're saying and, and what that definition means, uh, it can have real, real different outcomes. Um, Biden has one view of, of Fed independence, and, and so far it seems to be a, a, a somewhat traditional one that he doesn't talk publicly that much uh, about the Fed, except for when making the personnel decisions. And, and even there, there are aspects of it uh, that are different. But uh, to chat about independence definitions and their consequences, I'm thrilled to have with me on the show today, Todd Phillips, Director of Financial Regulation and Corporate Governance at the Center for American Progress. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Caleb. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I, I wanted to start uh, with something kind of fundamental and to, to, to ground our, our conversation in, in kind of the following. What does the law, what do the statutes say about Fed independence? And we can start from there and then, and then build on top of it. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely a great place to start. So uh, section 10, of the Federal Reserve Act, which is codified at 12 USC 242, basically says that Fed governors uh, have 14-year terms. They can only be removed by the president for cause. And every four years, the president selects a new chair, vice chair, and vice chair of supervision from among the members of the board. And that's really it. Uh, you know, as yeah. you mentioned at the beginning, there has become somewhat of a, you know, mythology about what Fed independence means, but in, in law, it really is that the 14 year terms, and you can only be removed for cause. Yeah. And, and how does that, and before we kind of go into maybe some of those, those myths and, 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 and where they come from. Uh, one other kind of level setting. Let's let's talk about how that compares within the Fed as an an agency of the of the federal government. How does it compare to other uh, federal agencies of the government? Yes. Yeah, so there are a lot of other uh, independent agencies in the federal government. You know, we're familiar with the SEC, the FDIC, sure. um, others like that. And they all have roughly the same type of protections. Uh, SEC commissioners have five-year terms uh, with a similar for-cause removal. Um, and so the only real difference between the Fed governors and these other members is the length of their term. Uh, Congress, when it created the Federal Reserve Act, really wanted to insulate Fed governors from politics to some extent, uh, which is why they give gave them the really long terms, yeah. but they didn't do anything more to protect them than 
any other agency. Uh, you know, Congress and the president uh, and advocacy organizations really try to pressure uh, the independent agencies and try to pressure the White House to, you know, uh, you know, influence other independent agencies. There really is no legal difference between what can be done with the SEC and what can be done with the Fed. Uh, and, you know, I, I really think that once people learn what the law is and, and understand that there really isn't that much of a difference, I think the better off we'll be and we'll, we can start moving away from this real mythology of uh, Fed exceptionalism and Fed independence. Yeah. So, so I guess, so before we talk about kind of moving beyond that, maybe let's just, maybe you can help us level set on what, what that is, what that myth, you know, what is that kind of general myth about what uh, Fed independence is? And, and then, you know, after kind of maybe talking about what it is, what, what do you think some of the, the, the negative, as you see it, consequences of, of that myth are? Yeah, I mean, you know this just as well as I do, and I'm sure all the listeners do as well. Um, there is this mythology that the Fed, uh, at least in monetary policy, uh, cannot yeah. and should not be questioned. Um, I, I think that, you know, whenever, you know, when, when President Trump was trying to pressure the Fed with interest rates, people yeah. called out Fed independence, he's violating Fed independence. Um, when he was doing exactly what, you know, presidents have been doing for a, a long time before we got this, this myth. Yeah. Right. And so, and so then the, and the myth is the myth kind of the, you know, the, the Clinton Greenspan, you know, we kind of, uh, we, we, or, you know, does it go farther back than that? And we, we don't have to get too much into the history of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that there, there are definitely others who have, who have studied this more than I, but it does seem to come from Greenspan. And I was listening to your episode with Matt Iglesias from a couple of weeks back yeah. when he talked about how the Greens, how Greenspan was this maestro of the economy. And I think that that really helped cement in people's minds um, that the Fed should not be questioned when it comes to interest rates and monetary policy. Um, we, you know, there's, uh, you know, back in the day, LBJ was known for calling up Fed um, chairs and trying to pressure them one way or another. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he couldn't fire them, just as, you know, President Biden can't fire uh, someone now. But it didn't stop him from trying to uh, to influence their decisions to affect his uh, to affect the economy. Yeah, uh, and and so so then so what are some of the 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 consequences of of that? Both maybe and maybe you can kind of uh, you know if if you've got them, you can kind of talk about maybe the consequences in in, in two areas. There may be, and I'm imagining there are there are consequences for approaching the relationship. Uh, in this this mythical definition of independence, the consequences being in in, in peacetime, so in a, a an economy that's not in a financial crisis, and then in wartime, meaning like a financial 
uh, a financial crisis uh, era. It seems like those are worth maybe maybe separating uh, those two um, and talking about them kind of uh, 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 separately. But talk about what that what that myth does, and then maybe what we could do or should be doing uh, if we if we were not operating under under the myth. Yeah. So you know both in peacetime and wartime i think it's it's problematic that uh, that congress le con congress really leaves the fed hands off um in peacetime i think it means that the fed gets to decide where it wants to be along the phillips curve you know there's there's yeah. the um the curve where you can have uh, high unemployment on one side and low inflation on the other, or vice versa. I think when, when we leave politics out of these decisions, um, as we've seen time and time again over the past 20, 30 years, we end up with uh, higher unemployment than necessary. And I think that's really problematic. Um, we saw the Fed Up campaign start in the aftermath of the, the Great Recession, the financial crisis, to try to push the Fed in, um, you know, the the lower unemployment direction, um, but in my mind, they were really running up against this myth because members of Congress, uh, you know, many members of Congress, many of the powerful members who have been there for a long time, were just really hesitant to step in and try to pressure the Fed to go one way or another. Um, in wartime or, you know, in, in the midst of a financial crisis, yep. um, I think it also means that Congress trusts the Fed to tell it what to do necessar necessarily than vice versa. So yeah. we saw during uh, COVID in March of 2020, when financial markets really uh, got out of whack. And uh, the Fed was really the one kind of directing how things would go. Um, in the CARES Act, I think it was, uh, uh, Title IV, where they created the, the liquidity facilities, yeah. uh, the Fed was dictating what those facilities would look like and how much capital they needed from the Treasury to backstop them when there were a lot of uh, uh, folks out there who, who questioned whether that really was necessary and whether they did need the backstop. But because of this Fed independence, it really seems like no one questioned the Fed's determination that they needed Congress to act instead of stepping in themselves. So does that, does that answer your question there? Yeah, that's it. See, I, I love that example because that that exact that situation is such an interesting one and shows how deep the kind of the myth rolls and how this independence uh, discussion often turns into just how what a circular relationship the the Fed, the Treasury, and the Congress have and how you so you have this 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 Fed independence if we can call it the the, the myth. Uh, embedded not just in in the the administration side, which is mostly what we've talked about from now, but it is an Im embedded into the Fed itself. That that the Fed uh, is you know they they have this protection over what they think they can and cannot do as 
led by some of the politically appointed people, but also, you know, their general counsels and unbelievably uh, powerful position, both in in D.C. and and at New York as well. Um, and so they're kind of getting to set what their definitions are of this independence. But then they'll do this, which I love what you just talked about, this CARES Act, where, where they'll say, we need Congress to do something in order for us to act. Even though we're independent from them, we need them to act. But then when Congress is deciding how to act, the Fed then tells them how to act. And so you have this weird, we need the stamp from Congress, but... Congress will tell you exactly what the stamp should look like, what the boundary should be, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there's uh, a degree that this happens in the public, but there's an even bigger degree that this is kind of a a wink and nod, uh, that this is the the kind of the the game that we play. And yeah, I, 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 yeah just I, yeah, you can respond to that. Yeah, and I you know I just I think it's really pernicious because okay. as I mentioned, it it takes democratic accountability really out of the equation. Um, We, the public, elect members of Congress and senators and the president. We don't elect the Fed. And in our democratic system, you know, we need the elected representatives of the people to ensure that um, the government, that, that the bureaucrats who are uh, you know, appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate are doing what the public want them to do. And when you have this Fed independence or, you know, the, the myth of Fed independence where the Fed is unquestioning, um, it it takes that democratic accountability away. And, you know, maybe that uh, was, maybe that worked in the Greenspan era because the maestro really did help create um an economy with low inflation and strong growth. Um, but but there were also some problems then. And sure. we definitely see some problems now with unemployment that is higher than necessary. In the, in the post-financial crisis era, uh, unemployment seems to have been a lot higher than it, what it could have been um, with stronger monetary policy responses. But but there were only a few people who were really questioning the Fed then about what their decisions were. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I would I would love it. Sorry, I, I would love yeah. it if we really could could burst the bubble of that myth and think about the Fed um, as a federal agency, just like any other that has its own statutory responsibilities, um, and that it can be questioned about whether it is affecting those responsibilities um, appropriately in, and in the public interest. Yeah, yeah I, I love this. Uh, I love this the discussion because this is where it kind of gets down to like what actually these the implications of this and, and everything are. Do you think that uh, I'm going to kind of posit something here and, and interested in, in how you and how you see it? Is there a degree to which this is also could you view it from Congress's view, not making these decisions like deferring to the Fed in the design of the CARES Act uh, as an act of, you know, kind of following this myth just to follow the myth? Uh, and how much is it because the the Congress views the Fed as the technical uh, experts 
in this area. And therefore, this is a decision that should be made by by the Fed. And the reason that, and so this is kind of a multi-pronged argument here, but the, the reason that the Fed is viewed as so technocratic is because of the myth itself. That that the myth, the myth serves not only a, a, a purpose to this degree that we've already talked about, but that it also has this kind of almost ethereal, like almost spiritual uh, effect on how the Fed is viewed in that it, it allows it to view to be viewed as a, a technocratic institution. I wonder what you think of that. You know, I, I don't, you started out the question by asking what members of Congress think. And I don't, I don't want to weigh into what their individual thoughts are or, you know, what sure. the institution thinks. But what I will say is um, I, I think that the Fed is seen as a technocratic institution. Um, they are seen as being above the fray in a lot of ways. And um, I think I think that is actually really good. Um, I think that all of our government agencies should be striving for uh, not exactly technocratic governance, but, but a really deep understanding in their area and how things work and how the mechanics of the markets they help oversee uh, operate. Um, but that may be a result of the 14 year terms and the fact that members of the Fed see themselves as having this very important job that impacts everyone's lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I would, I would really just hope that, or, or, or I really want to see uh, the Senate confirmed officials of every other agency thinking of their jobs in a very similar way. Um, you know, we, we the public, um, you know, have, again, I'm going to pick on the SEC. We're going to have, we have SEC commissioners to help regulate the securities markets. Yeah. Um, and, and, they should really think of themselves as technocrats and we should think of them as technocrats. Um, but, but back to this independence and what, what the statutes say, um, the Fed is no different. And, and I think that it, it's all just a matter of um, perception within the agencies that, that allow them to operate the way that they do. And, and, you know, maybe it is to some extent that Congress is, Congress puts less pressure on the Fed than, than the other agencies. Um, but, but still it's a, it seems to be a way that they carry themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mark uh, Spindel and uh, Sarah Binder's uh, book, the, the myth of independence um, is one that if listeners haven't, haven't read definitely should, and, and kind of goes into some awesome a way that Congress uses the Fed and uses this myth of independence to its to its benefit and uh, maybe to its to its long term and the country's long term harm. Um, but in so so going forward, uh, you know, in 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 a world I guess where where Fed independence is more clearly understood 
the way that you've that you've wait the way that you've outlined it and if the myth could kind of go away and if we could treat the the fed in a in a as an institution in a way that more closely resembles that of the sec how do you think the world would be different and the world defined just like you know the the Fed's actions or, or Congress or the public's or the market's reactions to the Fed. Maybe paint a picture uh, for how you think uh, it, things would be different if this, this myth was, uh, was not there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we would have broader, deeper conversations about the real impacts of monetary policy um, and what those have to do with uh, everyday people. I think we are getting some of that with increased inflation. And, you know, I, I hate the fact that we have increased inflation to uh, spur this conversation, but I think it is an important one and necessary to be discussing what the Fed uh, can and can't do um, in order to, and, and how that affects everyday people. Um, you know, you know, I, I think that just the longer we are getting away from Alan Greenspan um, and the efforts of Bernanke and Yellen and now Powell to really explain to the public uh, what the Fed does, I think we are losing some of that myth. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's positive. And I'm I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes in the future. Oh, what, one thing I also wanted to add. Yeah. Is that I, I think, you know, it would be great if, if people started thinking of the Fed more as some of these other independent agencies, but I also really would like to see the public seeing more of these independent agencies like the Fed. Sure. Um, you know, th they are people with expertise and experience um, and understand how the markets work. And we really should go to them um, to learn from uh, what they know and what their staff knows and their staff research, um, instead of thinking of everyone as just a political actor. So uh, I don't think it's, you know, fed bad or, you know, perception of fed <laughs> bad and perception of um, the SEC good, but I think it's that both of them have to move. Yeah, maybe closer to the middle is what I, or closer to each other is I think yeah. I would yeah, getting at what are the what are some of the I guess you you mentioned that just distant time away from Greenspan is one uh, is one way that this that this may happen. Um, I I I guess the you know renomination of of Powell um, may come into this as well. What are some other things uh, that? that you're looking for or pushing for, and you can take either of those, uh, you know, those views uh, when looking to see if this, these changes are happening, if this kind of breaking down of this, of this myth is happening, uh, is there action that specific congressmen should be taking in regards to the law, or is it just in how they interact with the Fed? Are there actions that the Fed should take, the media should take, the markets? Kind of just a big open question there as to what you're yeah, looking Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Congress definitely has the authority to change the law if it wants. Uh, I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying that it has the legal authority to. Uh, Congress created the Fed 
uh, and with the Federal Reserve Act, and it can it can change its structure. Um, is there anything in particular I'm looking for? No, not really. I think it's just the way that our our conversations move um, and seeing the extent to which we have broader conversations about the Fed's monetary policy authorities, you know, uh, whether, you know, the, the conversations around tapering its bond buying program versus extending them. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks what happens, especially after we saw um, job growth come in this morning a little bit lower than folks expected uh, a couple of days after they announced that they were going to, after, you know, Powell made noises that they were going to start yeah. tapering perhaps more quickly than, than the street expected. Um, it, it's really just kind of a, a, a wait and see type thing, I guess. I, I don't know, Caleb, I've been doing a lot of talking. Uh, you, <laughs> you look at the Fed, you study the Fed. What do you yeah. think here? Do you think it's, you know, about uh, the Greenspan era and us taking time? Or do you have a, a different perspective? Yeah, I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I think I'm in the school of thought that it is, uh, I think, I think that's right. I think Greens, I think both you and, and, and Matt are, are right there in pointing to the, you know, the, the godlike figure that Greenspan had and that, that kind of power to wield the narrative and just so much of it was just based into who he was as a person and not even necessarily the position that, uh, that he held. Um, and then I couple that, I think, as particularly as we get more removed from Greenspan, I think we will view, I, my views have been really uh, shaped by that work of the, the book and the, and the continued work of Spindell and, and Binder, just that the incentives for Congress and the White House to have an agency that is very powerful and has a huge impact on the um, on the the economy and on the lives of of the regular people, that they have an incentive for that agency to be at arm's length, um, both as a tool that they can blame when things go sure. wrong. It's a tool that they can call in to 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 talk with. Not you know when 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 the when the Fed leadership comes into Congress and gives testimony and things, it's a it's often quite um, uh, confrontational uh, to a degree that if they were viewed as part of the Treasury, uh, it, I think it would be different. Not that the the partisan when the Treasury Secretary comes in and there's not partisan partisan fights, but I think there is a different uh, a difference between those two, and I think that the the relationship there, the incentives are just such that it's that it's uh, it's just kind of how it has become. Um, I guess the the only other paper that I that I'd like to reference here is uh, there's some some recent work. Uh, I think it's right now in in on on SSRN in a working form that I'll drop in the links. Is uh, there's some new work by uh, Conti Brown at at Wharton and then another professor whose name I can't remember at one of the big schools in New York. Um, and that's talking about, you know, when do, when do uh, big reforms happen? When do big structural reforms happen in, as it relates to the Fed, and then as it relates to also a financial market, uh, right, more financial market regulators like the SEC, et cetera. 
And, yeah. and what they found was that the, you know, that, that this, this governance stuff doesn't actually get changed right after, right after a crisis. Uh, with the with the the banking regulation and stuff like that, some of those laws do uh, are correlated with financial crises, um, but this other stuff really isn't. And so um, it just kind of points to that idea that Congress can and does look into things and should be looking into these types of questions, not just in the post uh, post crisis situation and so i think i think those are some things that have that have shaped uh shaped my views um but but more than i guess even maybe even more than that i think you're you're right in saying that like this is a this is not just a legal and congressional white house issue but it's a how do we as the public and the commentators and and the media in general and then the low step below the media us people on twitter that have opinions and thoughts like how do we talk about it uh, which is why I think this conversation yeah. is so important because it provides a little bit more context and hopefully makes people second, like take a second thought before they, 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 they put out these, these kinds of views. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap, there are just, yes. you know, two things I wanted to, uh, add, add on in there. Please. Um, so, so as, as you were talking, it, it reminded me uh, you know, we, we mentioned the two branches of government that have a role here, you know, Congress and the executive. Um, I think it's also worth talking about the Supreme Court and uh, the, this, this Supreme Court um, has really taken a, a sledgehammer to a lot of how we think of um, government agencies. Uh, so they got rid of uh, removal protections for the CFPB director. And so the CFPB right. director can now be um, fired without cause. Um, we saw in um, Free Enterprise Fund, the PCOB, how the Supreme Court said you can't have two layers of removal protections. Um, I, it, 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 I really think that we are heading in a direction where the Supreme Court will declare unconstitutional the removal protections for agencies like the Fed and, mm -hmm. and the governors. And it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens if and when that happens, uh, whether presidents do start removing Fed governors who are not of their party or not of their ideology um, and how that, you know, what that does to our perceptions as them. Um, the other thing I wanted to throw in there is we've been talking a lot about monetary policy, but yeah. the Fed, of course, has, you know, it, its other role as a financial regulator. And one thing I haven't really thought a lot about, but I'd be interested in in your thoughts and, and yeah. other folks' thoughts about how does the, the myth of Fed independence around monetary policy also affect financial regulation policy that the Fed does. Um, it, it seems that Congress is much more willing to uh, dig into the nitty gritty of these rules, especially when they're issued by the Fed and the OCC and the FDIC. Yep. Um, but we still have that 
that myth of Fed independence around there in ways that the FDIC and OCC don't have. Um, so I think that's something that I'd love to read a lot more about. Um, yeah. But, but don't have much thoughts on it myself. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. When, when my first day at the Chicago Fed and I was from a tiny town, I'd, got, I'd grown up and then and then went to college in tiny towns in the kind of Intermountain West uh, area in the Rockies. And uh, when I, my first day at the Chicago Fed, uh, there were there was a, a pretty big, like a sizable protest in, in front of the Fed. Uh, um, you know, there were probably 40 or 50 people uh, there on LaSalle sure. Street. And, uh, and and they were all holding big uh, uh, audit the Fed, uh, audit the Fed signs, right? And yeah. so, you know, I did, and, I, and I share that example as just saying that that and my QAnon uncle is is big on this as well. And, and it's just that the, you know, the that the monetary policy actions are the ones that are the sacred cow, the ones that we don't talk yeah. about, the ones that people don't have access to, the one that the Fed gets to decide how much, you know, gets published and when it gets published about, about what it is. And so there gets a lot of attention there. And I think that a part of the reason that that's the case is it's just so, it's often so simple what really what the, what monetary policy uh, actions are doing. <laughs> Right. Like you hear on right. NPR, like eat like the the most common per place person walking on the street doesn't doesn't know about it, doesn't even care about it, still can hear that the Fed rose interest raised interest rates or they lowered interest rates or even some of the more crisis fighting stuff that is uh, that is uh, is more complicated is often described and in, in some ways is as simple as pumping money. Right. It's yeah. just it's just, you know, this. And words like quantitative easing, it's actually this monetary policy stuff is actually quite simple to understand. And so it therefore becomes just where all of that attention goes. Uh, but the degree to like having an impact on on people's life at, at least it has a much quicker impact than monetary policy are things like payment system and supervision and regulation and these other jobs that the Fed has. Uh, but because they're they're much, I think it's kind of that those two. It's a, I think it's a, that two part story that that one the those other jobs are just much more complicated and less you know you don't they just don't fit in that really easy sound right. bites and they're not as easy to explain. Coupled with uh, where monetary policy is kind of an exclusive responsibility of the Fed, the as you mentioned the these other jobs, all of the other jobs. Are, are things that the Fed is a very important player in, but is definitely on a team of, of players. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think that's interesting what you just said, that monetary policy is very simple and people on the street can understand uh, raise interest rates, lower interest rates, flood the economy with money. But, but those are also the things where we have this Fed independence myth. Yep. Um, and it, it is the thing that until recently, uh, I think people have been a little bit hesitant to question. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that split is, is just interesting to me. And it's something that I need to, to think a little bit more about. Why, why can we traditionally not question the Fed on these very, very simple things, 
Whereas with payment systems, with financial regulation, uh, it is more permissible to question when they are much more complicated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's that backwards. Yeah. I'm sure political incentives, reelection stuff comes <laughs> in, but there's, there's just so much, there's just so much there that is, that is fun and, and interesting. Um, and, and, you know, and we, we didn't even really get, get into too much. And I guess actually let's, let's, let's end with, with this thought. Do you have anything uh, you'd like to say on the, kind of we've talked mostly about the admin like kind of white house congress and we've talked about a little bit of other stuff but is there anything you want to say on like the specific treasury fed relationship and the you know those Ooh. operations and like the is it the treasury making the decisions does the treasury tell the fed what to do does the fed tell the treasury what to do i don't know if you want to end with any any thoughts on on that stuff uh that that is a very difficult question you just asked there and I do think that we need more Fed Treasury coordination. I yeah. think the, the the money supply and fiscal spending uh, levers, there's a lot of intersection. And when they're working together, they can work really well. And when they're working at odds, uh, they're really working at odds. Yeah. Um, that's something that I, I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens and also just do more debating. I have to say, I'm I'm not really a monetary policy expert. My focus yeah. really is in financial regulation. Yeah. Um, but it, it's one place where I think more, more thinking needs to happen there. Um, and we'll see how it evolves over time, um, especially as, you know, coming back to it, as we get further and further away from Greenspan. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I hope that this, uh, this, this has been a delightful conversation. And I think that this will hopefully be part of the, of, of the conversation of getting people talking and thinking about this stuff. You know, we're going to have, there's going to be lots of reasons to continue talking about it. There's still three open seats uh, at the, at, uh, on the board, including the vice chair of supervision. So you know, any time, I guess we've been chatting for an hour or for however long we've been chatting and uh, maybe it came out while we were, while we were talking, but those are coming soon. <laughs> and there's, there's lots of reasons to be talking about this. And uh, will the, will there be any kind of look um, from Congress about the Fed's actions? Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, so, so I guess we'll, we'll wrap it there. Uh, excited to, to have you back on in a future episode to talk about this and other financial regulation stuff. Uh, Todd, thanks for coming on. Perfect. Thanks so much, Caleb. Had a blast. So you can find Todd at Todd Phillips, two L's, one P on Twitter. And I am at Caleb Nygaard. Until next time, thanks for listening.